Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Hello and welcome. My name is Jim Davis and you are listening to the Good Athlete Podcast, the premier podcast for coaches. For today's episode, Alex and I sit down with Dave Philami, Director of Basketball to Uplift the Youth of Haiti. We're recording live here down in Port-au-Prince the day before the fourth annual awards banquet for the organization. Dave was born in Port-au-Prince and his studies took him to Yale and to Harvard, but it was his passion for basketball and most notably for his country that brought him back. We had a really good time talking to Dave and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Dave, you and Jim met at Harvard. What led you to Harvard? Well, uh, I have been working in Haiti for a number of years, in particular with uh, Basketball Club of the Youth, or Basketball Club of the Youth, and through my work with uh, the youth uh, of Bal, uh, I uh, really developed uh, an interest in uh, human development psychology, and so I I thought it would be uh, a good opportunity for me to enroll in the master's program in human development psychology at Harvard to enable me to um, to gain a deeper understanding of the human development process and apply um, what I've learned to um, to improve the work that we do with the, the youth of Bible. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And just, yeah. So Dave and I met um, two years ago, I guess, at this point out in Cambridge, and before that you were in at Yale, correct? Yes, I was. What were uh, you doing out there? Um, I did my undergraduate studies there in uh, political science. Very cool. But you are from Port-au-Prince. Yes, born and raised in Port-au-Prince. Uh, lived here until I was 12 uh, when I moved to uh, to South Florida with my family. You moved to South Florida when you were 12, went off to New Haven to study at Yale, came back here for three years. Um, and what were you doing when you were back here, in addition to starting uh, up Paul? Yeah, so um, really initially what led me uh, back to Haiti was um, a, um, an employment opportunity with uh, the United Nations Development Program, or UNDP, um, and I was offered the uh, position within the Management Support Unit, um, where I was a focal point for donor relations and resource mobilization. Um, as you know, after the Devastating earthquake of January 2010, the UN had a leading role in the recovery efforts here in Haiti. Because of uh, the uh, the level of the work that the UN uh, was doing in Haiti, in particular uh, UNDP, we had a staff for 400. And so um, in my role with the, within the management support unit, uh, I was working really directly with the senior management and the leadership of the different projects that uh, were being implemented. And so I didn't really have the opportunity to be out on the field and to really right. uh, you know, see uh, firsthand the impact of the work that we were doing. And so I wanted to be able to, uh, to be involved in something that would allow me to, uh, to directly um, contribute to the betterment of, uh, of Haiti. And so that's what led me to start um, uh, Basketball for Haile La Jeunesse about um, in 2013. Um, as a way to use basketball uh, to mentor and uh, educate uh, local youth. 
I love it. it. I mean, it aligns with the stuff that we are interested so much, right? Because uh, especially the, everything that you do, I mean, you're doing so much more than just basketball, but you welcome people in the door through basketball, which is like the brilliance of it. And that's like what I, what I we love to see. That That's sports done well in our terms, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the start of that? I love this idea of wanting to see the direct impact. I think that's that's the truth, you know, in, from our experience, that's the truth between uh, people who are coaches and people who are administrators. You know, the athletic department administrator might oversee the inner workings, mm-hmm. but, but uh, sometimes loses that first-person contact. Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, um, and deciding to use basketball as a, as a conduit for, uh, for that work um, really uh, was inspired by the fact that during my time at Yale, I served as the uh, student director of basketball operations for the Yale men's basketball team. And so um, I have experience with the sport and uh, obviously a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to use uh, what I'm passionate about and what I'm knowledgeable about uh, to, to make a difference. And that's what led me to use basketball um, as that tool to, uh, to reach out to the youth and to uh, provide them with guidance. Absolutely. I love that. And we were just, we had a different conversation today. Passion's the thing, right? If you are passionate about it, then that passion becomes contagious and mm-hmm. allows so many other opportunities. I think that's awesome. When you first started the program, how many kids were involved in it? So I uh, initially started with uh, 30 kids, uh, which was a bit problematic with some parents because we had a, a, a community meeting, really, when we were starting to launch the organization. And uh, we had uh, way many more kids <laughs> than 30 who wanted to to be part of it. I remember one dad in particular, he was uh, you know, so sad really when we came to him, he was like, why didn't you accept my son? And I had to explain that um, really in starting the organization in 2013, I did so with my own funds. Mm-hmm. And so I was only able to um, have jerseys made for 30 kids and have um, resources available for 30 kids. And also, uh, since we we're just launching it, it was a pilot stage, I didn't want to have too many kids uh, for us to be able to, you know, uh, be able to manage the program um, correctly. So, uh, and in that management, how many coaches did you have from at the beginning of those days? Yeah. So we actually initially had five coaches, mm-hmm. and uh, so what happened was um, because the organization was largely financed through my own funds and also um, donations I received through uh, fellow uh, co-workers and friends, I uh, wasn't able to. <laughs> compensate uh, my staff on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And so um, combination of that and also some some of the coaches not being really, um, you know, um, in line with, uh, with the mission uh, led to uh, to the reduction of the coaching staff to, to just two coaches um, who uh, four years later are still with us. Yeah, yes. and what are their names? Uh, so we have Coach uh, Brady, Gabby Brady, mm-hmm. and Coach uh, Toussaint, uh, Drew Toussaint. They're great guys. We actually, yeah. uh, Alex and I were down here last summer, met them, fantastic guys. I didn't know they, that they're kind of your core people. They were here from the start and they still are. That's really encouraging. Yes, I remember when we were um, trying to paint uh, the basketball court because we uh, reached an agreement with uh, the local school where we still are right now, College Big Square to use their facilities for the program. And Gabby actually was coaching there. And he told us that, hey, uh, you know, he's a coach and, he sees that we're bringing this program to uh, the school where he works. Um, he'd like to help us out, and 
who got started by helping us paint the basketball court, and uh, he's been with us ever since. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Love that. So yeah, we were last down here for the awards banquet last year. We're back again for the awards banquet this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the awards banquet, kind of what awards are going to be given out, what tomorrow's going to look like? Mm-hmm. And congrats on the four-year anniversary. Yes, of course. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Seriously. you. Yeah. Um, as we say in Haitian Creole, when you're, whenever you uh, make reference to an anniversary, uh, you say, you know, whatever the... Uh, Number of years that you're celebrating, you say that you know, four years are not four days. <laughs> That's <just> true. <laughs> you know, so yeah, and, yeah. Just to <laughs> as a testament to the uh, amount of work and dedication it takes to get to yeah. um, to that achievement, really to to have been running an organization for uh, four years, and so um, you know, I thought that it would be a cool way to both celebrate the anniversary of the program every year and also to use that opportunity to reward the kids who uh, perform uh, at the highest level, both in terms of academics and uh, in terms of their performance on the basketball court. And that's exactly what we do every year um, as a celebration of the organization at anniversary. We also have an, uh, an award ceremony as uh, part of the as part of the celebration. It's really the central piece of the celebration. Yeah, and what are, what are some of those awards? I like this. We, so we talk about framing a lot, and like you know, your values are specific, and we like them. They're awesome. They're, they're what differentiates you from similar organizations, I think. Um, and one of the things that we think is so cool that you do is you don't just say it. You know, you literally you award people for that. You've changed the standard, mm-hmm. sort of. So what is that new standard? What do you give awards for? So um, we have uh, five categories of awards. Mm-hmm. Um, first one is. Um, the uh, Jeunelle and Roland Senat Prize, which is a citizenship award. Um, and I named it after um, two of my grandmother's uh, brothers who were very um, influential figures in my life because of their passion for education and, um, and um, you know, and activism and, um, you know, and educating young people. So, um, and also citizenship, of course, since it's a, Award, so yeah. um, I named uh, this award um, in their honor um, since they both passed away too, and um, they're very influential uh, figures in my life. So um, that's the award that we uh, give out every year um, as a way to um, to honor uh, two of our beneficiaries who uh, really contributed to, to the program uh, through their citizenship by helping the coaches with um, you know with the different activities that we do. And helping their uh, their fellow um, program beneficiaries um, and all that. So very cool. Yeah, citizenship is one. What are some of the other ones? So um, yeah, you have true basketball ones too, right? Like yes. You, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have the uh, the Michael Jordan uh, Award that Love we it. <laughs> that we give out to the um, to the beneficiary who um, excels the most in the basketball court. Mm-hmm. Um, so for each of the awards, is. Um, as I mentioned before, we have two uh, recipients, one for the junior group and one for the senior group. Nice. Yeah. So you've got like an MVP. Yeah. You've got citizenship. Yeah. And then we have an intellectual contribution award. Love it. Yeah. Which uh, is uh, named after Lisley um, Francois Maniga, the former president of Haiti. Uh, he was actually president when I was born. There you go. <laughs> and uh, he was a, a great intellectual. And uh, he 
holds uh, or held a degree from uh, from the uh, Sorbonne, and he taught at uh, various universities all around the world. And I think he had a, a short uh, stint at Yale too. Oh, nice. uh, so he's a great scholar and uh, former president of Haiti. So um, he's considered as one of the greatest intellectuals that we've had um, for the past uh, uh, for the past uh, decade or so. So I named the award after him because he also had roots in Montesan, uh, the home of the program. Yeah. What, is, what was the? Montesan. Okay. Yeah. My whole neighborhood. Where That's the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, we were there last year. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah. So and so there's, I love and I love the way you bracketed that even citizenship, MVP. Intellectual contribution, and there, you say there's two more. Uh, yeah, so we have the Juvedi Senat Fizevi or which is named after my grandmother. Nice. Um, and it's given out to someone who's overcome uh, major obstacles to really excel, um, you know, uh, in the program. Uh, yeah. And I named it after my grandmother because uh, she was an illiterate person, uh, first of ten kids, and because she was the first and also uh, a woman. She wasn't able to uh, to have uh, an education. She was illiterate, um, and yet, um, in spite of that, she was able to uh, you know to raise my father um, as a rice farmer who would uh, farm her rice in the Artibonite uh, Valley, uh, just north of uh, Port-au-Prince, about three hours north of Port-au-Prince, and bring the rice that she would uh, harvest to Port-au-Prince to sell to one of the largest uh, marketplaces that we have here. And uh, use um, use that money to finance my father's education to send him all the way to Germany to be educated. Um, and uh, yeah, her determination, yeah, um, resilience is uh, truly remarkable. And uh, you know, because my mother was traveling a lot um, uh, since I uh, turned seven, mm-hmm. so she played a very central role in my uh, upbringing. And actually, uh, I called her, and my siblings too called her mama. So oh, yeah. just called her mom. Yeah. They even called her grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it says a lot about the, the important role that she played. And so I wanted, she also passed away, unfortunately. Um, um, uh, I think it was uh, a month after I uh, launched the, uh, the organization. Oh, so man. a very, very trying time, turbulent time, because I launched the organization in July, and she passed away in August. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just a few weeks after I launched it, and she had already been ill and living with me, actually. Um, and so I decided to name that award uh, after. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. And I love that. I think that is, um, there's messages to be taken from all the things that you're saying, but I can't tell you how frequently we run into, <laughs> I don't know, I'm trying to pick my words carefully here. But whatever that quality is that your grandma illustrated so well, whether it's resilience or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, I mean, it's freaking, it's amazing. Yes. It is amazing. And it's on a level that a lot of people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis or, you know, beyond that, um, might not take the time to appreciate. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, uh, would you agree with this? Oh, I don't absolutely. want to go too far. Yeah. And, I, and, and listen, everything is relative. Right, like trying times are trying times, and I don't want to diminish the what's trying for one group of people, you know, right. one population that we work with versus another. But, but that is perfect. What an easy way to just say no, I'm I'm good. You know what I mean? With such an you could just call it and be like, well, I was one of ten. You know, I I, I can't read. How am I going to compete in this world? 
um, but you find a way. Yeah. If you've yeah. got whatever she has. Yeah, and she always believed in education, you know? Yeah. Um, even though she herself wasn't educated, you know, she mm -hmm. believed in it. And I always think, man, she was just so naturally smart. I can yeah. only imagine what she could have been able to achieve had she mm -hmm. uh, been able to, to receive um, an education. Absolutely. And, I, and the other thing is, like, she wasn't, she didn't do all that to go buy a fancy car. She did it to send her son yeah. away from school. That's, that's amazing. It's great. And you clearly value that, too. So, And then is there one more award? Yes. Here? So yes. we have the um, Albert Mangunez Prize. Okay. And Albert Mangunez is uh, actually a Cornell-educated uh, architect and sculptor uh, who uh, also is a native of Matissan. Mm -hmm. And uh, he is the sculptor of the Negmaul statue, which is the, uh, also referred to as the Unknown um, Maroon or Rebel Slave statue, which actually... Is that I, the one we saw? Yeah, I, with the shell? Yeah, exactly. Love it. Yeah. So he's the one who sculpted it. Very cool. And, uh, you know, as a native of uh, Matissan, and also, um, his daughter, Lorraine Magonez, is executive director of, um, of the local branch of the Open Society Foundation, um, Focal, and they granted us our first uh, grant. Oh, nice. And so, uh, That's cool. <laughs> so I decided, for all these different reasons, mm -hmm. I decided to name our, um, our uh, biggest prize after um, Albert Magonez. And so, what is that one? What's that prize? And basically, it's uh, for... Uh, person who has um, excelled, uh, you know, at the extremely high level in every facet of the program. Oh, nice. Yeah, the basketball court and the classroom and, and their relationship with both uh, the coaching staff and their fellow uh, beneficiaries. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm going to go off track a little bit if that's okay and jump to a, um, what we call our kind coaches mm -hmm. idea. If I'm putting you on the spot here. We haven't prepped it for this at all. But, <laughs> but kind coaches is, is so we've got this campaign. We're essentially just trying to have people articulate and, and I don't know, nominate or just call attention to people in their lives, coaches in particular, mm -hmm. who have been able to run the balance. Mm -hmm. Balance is the key word that that, uh, that award reminds me of. But the people that are tough and competitive, you know what I mean? And they really want to win and they're doing things the right way in that sense, but they're also caring mm -hmm. and kind and they're able to find a balance between those things. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, either as a player or a fellow coach or whatever, is there anyone that jumps to mind when you think of that? Absolutely. First person that comes to mind is Coach James Jones of the Yale men's basketball team. Okay. And um, that was the guy that hired you out there? Yes. Perfect. Yes. And, you know, as someone who's involved in sports and has great passion for it, I've, of obviously encountered a lot of people in the in the field, but I've, uh, I haven't met anyone who's, um, I don't think, as competitive as he is, <laughs> especially yeah. since I used to work, um, you know, with film uh, for the men's basketball team. He was such a meticulous watcher of the, of the game tapes, and he, I mean, it was everything, the game is everything to him, and, um, you know, which is one of the reasons why I'm so happy of the recent success of the young men's basketball team, um, having gone on to the NCAA tournament last year and defeated Baylor in the first round and um, losing a close match to, um, to Duke in the, in the uh, round of, 30 sec uh, of 32. Uh, so, and Coach Jones also the um, longest serving um, coach in the Ivy League. Um, he's, been, um, he's been at Yale always, just to, to me, just to give me an idea of how ridiculous of a career he's had um, since 1999, I believe, when I was still a kid here in Haiti with no hope of ever 
<laughs> being yeah. coming to the U.S. Yeah, I think of it. He was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was already there. That's amazing. <laughs> That's and, incredible. Uh, yeah, and then the you know he was there as a coach. That's when he yeah, was as the head coach. Yeah, yeah. I, he was there. I think in the mid nineteen nineties, maybe in ninety five to ninety six, as an assistant coach. And then mm-hmm. I think he went to Ohio to coach um, at um, I think one of the at maybe Ohio University. He um, coached maybe. there. Um, as an as an uh, assistant coach, and then he, um, when the head coach position became available at Yale, he um, was offered that opportunity in 1999. Very cool. And he's also one of the great supporters of the program, um, having donated uh, Yale basketball jerseys to uh, to uh, to to Bao. And uh, you know, we have a number of our beneficiaries um, wearing Yale basketball jerseys. I love those pictures. Yeah. I, it, and and I, I've always liked, even though you and I support Harvard now, I hope. Uh, I do at least. Um, <laughs> it, I love the color scheme. I think they yeah. just look cool. Yeah. And the kids seem to like them, obviously. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I love the color. Actually, it's one of the things that attracted me to Yale. <laughs> Was it really? That's not a... That's not a... Okay, I'm glad you were able to admit this. You feel free blue, to my favorite color, so it... Well, to me, it was just like so many different factors, and it just—it seemed like it was like the perfect, yeah, fit. for like, sure. Yeah. And and whoever is going to listen to this will not realize that Dave is wearing all blue, all blue, it is blue, blue, yeah. blue socks. <laughs> he was, yeah, I missed those. Socks. Wow. So he is telling the truth. Um, that's when he said, "I, uh, friends of mine in Ireland, I played football in Ireland for a little mm-hmm. while, and it's certainly not the national sport. Yeah. But everyone's got teams that they go nuts for. Yeah." Um, and it's just, it's funny associations like, like that. It's mm-hmm. like, what jersey did you like the most? Or um, There's a strong correlation between when people first got interested in football mm-hmm. and who was on the cover of Madden that year. So when yeah. Ray Lewis was on, there's a right. whole section of Ravens fans. Yeah. It's funny. Because so I, I agree, that's an, that's an honest response. Yeah. I like the jerseys, fine. And he gave <laughs> you a job. What was, did you have to apply for it? or what Yes, was, yeah, it was actually, yeah, because we have a student employment website and there was a job posted on there. And so, actually, my freshman year and my sophomore year, I roomed with um, my good friend Alex Zampier, who actually currently works in the San Antonio uh, Spurs front office. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he uh, eventually became captain of the Yale basketball team, too. One of the uh, greatest awesome. players that we've had, uh, great shooting guards in Pittsburgh Yale's uh, basketball team. And uh, he was my roommate. And... Uh, so I definitely use that to, to my advantage in the interview. You drop that. <laughs> That's like, fair. by the way, you know, I I room with uh, you know with one of your rising um, rising young players at the time. Rising, UK. and I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and actually, so I I uh, served in that capacity first during my junior year, and then um, I took a year off after that. Uh, during which I worked as an intern for Organizing for America, which was, um, you know, the entity that, uh, you know, was established after President Obama was elected for office. Mm -hmm. Sort of a continuation of his, um, of uh, OFA, um, Obama for America. Yeah. Uh, Still the same acronym, um, Organizing for America. And I worked as a a community organizer trying to to encourage people to support... um, the Affordable Care Act, more commonly referred to as Obamacare. Mm. And uh, after that, I after the bill was passed, I work as a as a uh, volunteer coordinator on the congressional campaign, and ultimately returned to Yale after that experience for 
uh, my final year uh, of college. And when I did, I was thinking of actually um, uh, playing rugby. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, for my senior year. And then uh, I just happened to be walking by the Payne Whitney Gymnasium, um, the, the, the gym that we have at Yale. And Coach Jones was um, jogging, as he so often does. And he just randomly passed by me, and he was like, hey, you're back on campus. I was like, yeah, Coach, how are you? I was like, uh, you know, your, your job is still available for you if you want it, right? Wow. <laughs> and apparently, you know, the person who had uh, taken my uh, spot after I left, uh, you know, um, left much to be desired. And so Fair. I was offered <laughs> the, the position uh, again. And so I, uh, I, yeah, had the opportunity during my senior years and once again served as the Student Director of Basketball Operations for the Yelmouth Basketball Team. So you live in D.C. currently, correct? Yes, uh, working at the Haitian Embassy in D.C. Well, technically we live in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, but I work Thank in you. D.C. Got you. I, 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 our <laughs> listeners will appreciate that as well. Um, what would you say is the key to living uh, remotely and running a successful organization like from afar? Yeah. Well, I think we're very lucky to be uh, living in a... Uh, day and age where uh, we have so many different technologies that we can use to stay connected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I constantly use WhatsApp. I, <laughs> I can I become a spokesperson for, for the application. I use it so much and love it so much. I've said uh, for two years that I'm convinced Dave works for them already because he's <laughs> recruited me every time I've talked to him. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, I use it to uh, constantly stay in contact with, um, with the staff mm-hmm. uh, to know exactly how everything's going and um, the different information I have to share with them. For example, the, the quotes that we use for Do you put those together? practice session. Yes. Those are, I, I gotta, so people know, if anyone who's not already following at Haiti, is it at Haiti basketball? basketball? on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook or uh, basketball pour en cadre but if, you, if, you, spell, if you, but, if you, but if you search Haiti basketball, at Haiti basketball, it, it'll, it'll come, come up. up. Perfect. Um, and you got you guys do put these cool quotes out with pictures. They're really well done. Those are you from afar. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, so um, I get the quotes and I you know send them to uh, to the staff and also do the the uh, the graphic design with the pictures for it because cool. I thought it would be a cool way to share with uh, with our supporters, our followers, uh, the quotes. And um, it's been a great success. I yeah. mean, we've we've. Um, We've increased our um, our likes, our page likes on on Facebook probably by one thousand percent from the start of this year. Yeah. Uh, when I started doing the quotes to now, and our last quote we had over three thousand likes uh, on Facebook for it. So, uh, yeah, they're very popular. <laughs> I think I was one of them. So yeah, welcome. thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, they are. We've been two thousand nine hundred ninety nine without and you. And that's so. just not as compelling. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three thousand plus. All right, so on that note, mm-hmm. with you being uh, afar, but you are back in Haiti fairly regularly, right? Yes. Obviously, you're, yeah. we are actually, I don't know if we said this at the beginning or not, but uh, we are in Haiti right now having this conversation. Yes. Um, when you're motivating a group, you said, you mentioned you've got, was it junior and youth? Yes. Uh, so you've got a spectrum of ages. Um, how do you motivate across that spectrum, or how do you individualize your motivation? And I guess part of that question, you can take this wherever you want, mm-hmm. but... Um, Maybe it's maybe it all starts and it sounds like this organization is just a scaled up version of you almost mm-hmm. it feels like. So what motivates you in sports uh, and how do you use that to motivate students across that age gap or however you want to take it? Well, uh, to answer the first part of the question in terms of um, how you know we 
uh, work with uh, with kids from a variety of different age groups. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing that I did was and choosing the coaches, the head coach for, for each group, mm -hmm. I made sure to, you know, I really thought about which coach would be best for, for each group, um, you know, on the basis of their, their skills and their personalities, etc. And so choosing Coach Gabby to, to lead the younger group, I did so because, um, you know, in observing him, I saw that he was able to really um, interact with them at their level, um, mm -hmm. you know, and they they love him and they love being around him. Um, he's, you know, he's tough and strict when he has to be, but he's also able to talk to them um, openly and uh, they're able to, to reciprocate that also. And, uh, you know, Coach Toussaint is, uh, is more experienced and also more of a disciplinarian. And I feel that uh, would, that was uh, much more needed for the older group of teenagers, mm -hmm. you know, who, uh, you know, who could be, uh, you know, or so so easy for them to get involved in so many different um, things that would be uh, negative to um, to their future. And so uh, I thought that he would be the best coach to, to lead that group. And so, you know, in, in, in making that, that decision, you know, I, you know, I try to, you know, for each group, try to choose the person who I think would be uh, best able to, to relate to the groups. Uh, kids within that uh, that age. Uh, I like that. So you ID qualities within your coaches that seem to fit the age groups. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Let's do some fun questions. Perfect. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> if they were making a movie about your life, who would play you? <laughs> like Actually, in the early days of um, of Facebook. Um, well, they probably still do this, but I don't use Facebook uh, to the degree that uh, I used to use it back in the day. But they used, there is one quiz where you upload your your picture and they tell you, you know, which uh, which celebrity was your doppelganger mm -hmm. and all that. Um, and, yeah, I think yeah, I did. And I think I got Jamie Foxx once, but he's <laughs> older than me, so I'm not sure <laughs> how that would work. He's um, a talented guy, though, so yeah, I he can pull it off. But if, if I were to choose uh, someone around my age to, to do it... Um, I think I've chose uh, Michael B. Jordan since you know, I love Michael Jordan. Because he's and, jacked up? Yeah. Because he's strong? And also, I, I think he has a cool name, so... Fair, yeah. <laughs> okay. I like that. That would, make, that would make sense for a movie about basketball. To have the lead actor be Michael Jordan. <laughs> right? It sense. fits. It fits pretty well. You would trick a lot of people coming to the movie theater. So that's good. Movie about Dave starring Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, I like it. If you weren't in this career, what would you be doing? Uh, you know, I always said that if God had given me the talent, I would probably be a singer because I love music. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I'd be a lead like singer it. for a Haitian compa band. There you go. I like that. <laughs> oh, a Haitian what? Compa is our most popular um, type of music here in Haiti. We're not going to ask you to sing on the podcast. No. But Unless you want to. No. <laughs> I would not uh, you know, subject our listeners to that. <laughs> right, because if you give it away for free, no one will pay. That's smart. <laughs> that is smart to withholding. What, for you, would constitute a successful day? Um, getting even... Uh, Half of the things on my to-do list checked off. <laughs> there you go. I always start my day with an impossibly long to-do list. 
there's so many things on the plate, so many things I want to do. Um, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we sit on that for a little bit though? Because it, it's a fun question, but I love this one, and uh, because habit is so important, it sounds like one of your habits is to wake up and make a to-do list. Yes. What does your routine look like in the morning? How do you decide what goes on, or maybe most importantly, what comes first? What's at the top of the to-do list? Yeah. So uh, usually, what I uh, start out with, I start working on, on it um, on the train ride to work. Um, you know, some people ask me, uh, you know, don't you? You know, think about getting a car. I'm like, I like it. If I'm driving, I can't work on my to-do list or <laughs> do yeah. all these things. So, I like the 35-minute the train ride, you know, into D.C. to get to, to the embassy. So, I start working um, on my to-do list during the train ride. And uh, really, what I start out with are the things that I was able to get done the previous day and try to prioritize those to see if uh, which ones I'm going to focus on for um, for today, mm -hmm. which ones I could uh, you know, push back for a few more days. Mm -hmm. And do you have any on that? I'm, I really am curious about habits because in our office and around you know what we're doing, we we try to take on a lot as well, mm -hmm. um, and and have found that working through the chaos of the everyday and being able to account for unforeseen things, you need rigor in your yep. life, right? Some sort of rigor. Yep. Um, we, can, we have something called the anchor and tether method that I won't go too deep into, okay. but, but it all comes down to committing something to paper, having a purpose, yeah. having, you know, an, an, an some sort of articulated action plan. Um, yeah. do you ha are there any other habits in your life that you jump out to, yeah. whether it's exercise or anything along those lines? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I do also in addition to my to-do list, I have a um, re recurring activities things uh, list that I also read um, in the morning, you know, so um, one of them is, you know, sort of my goals, my short-term and long-term goals. So I keep that as perspective for me, you know, because, yeah, you have this uh, to-do list for today, but you need to know why, you mm -hmm. know, you're working on these things to motivate you to keep on doing that. So by having the list of uh, short and long-term goals, um, you know, it definitely serves as a, as a motivation. I also have... Um, you do that in the morning? Yeah. I also have, uh, I'm a big quotes guy, um, as, as you can tell through uh, the quotes that we use um, for, uh, for our kids, so some of my favorite quotes I, I go over, um, and also um, you know, some uh, notes I have from some of my favorite books too, um, you know, be it books about time management or, uh, or whatnot uh, that I uh, go over. Oh, you review those too in the morning? Yeah. Cool. I like that. That seems like, so that train ride really is part of your centering, part of you like getting yes. your mind right for the day. Yep. That's cool. I like that. What was the first album that you bought with your own money? <laughs> first album that I bought with my own money. Um, I think the very first one that I bought wasn't even for myself. So I'll tell you the first one I bought uh, overall the first one I bought for myself. first one I bought overall was a Emily Michelle album. So Emily Michelle is a legendary Haitian songstress. She's actually currently celebrating her 30th anniversary of her career this year. Uh, so she released her first album, um, Du Bon Jou in 1987. And she was also the, one of the performers that we had for our Haiti Week in DC celebration uh, that we cool. organized. Um, I saw that, that was this year. I saw yes, that month. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So uh, she's a phenomenal um, singer and is one of my mother's favorite singers. And so I, uh, 
I bought my mom that CD uh, for uh, one of her birthdays. Nice. So that was the first uh, album that I bought. And the first one I bought for myself was um, Kanye West's uh, graduation album mm-hmm. in college. Uh, Kanye at the time was one of my favorite rappers. Uh, not as much right now, but... <laughs> yeah, he's changed for you. Yeah. yeah, or maybe I've changed, I don't know. But Ooh, <laughs> someone's changed. changed. <laughs> I like that's fair. Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. No offense, Kanye. I can I can guarantee that Kanye is tuning into this podcast. We so know you're out there. You might have some explaining to do. Very cool. Yeah. I like it. We want to end with one more fun one. Sure. So, so we know more about Dave. Absolutely. Well, let's hear your favorite movie. I feel like we, we heard a little bit about it uh, before we even got going, but we never got the true answer. So what's your favorite movie? Uh, there's so many, but... It can't be basketball related. Let me say that. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, favorite movie would probably have to be Coming to America. I like it. Um, I was actually wearing a Prince Akeem t-shirt earlier today before coming here. <laughs> and so uh, Yeah. So in this movie, Growing Up in Haiti... It was literally on TV every week. Really? Yes. And actually, uh, funny thing is, interesting thing is, um, the the name in French is uh, Un Prince à New York, uh, a prince in New York. Mm. Um, because it's sort of kind of hard to translate coming to America in French uh, for it to make sense to and uh, outside to people who are not <laughs> American. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, the, so the name is um, a prince in New York and... Uh, it's a. I would venture to say, I would dare to say that uh, if you polled Haitians, especially Haitians who grew up in the eighties and nineties, um, it would probably be the movie highest up on the list really? <laughs> because we watch it <laughs> so often. And that's really, is it like uh, that's pretty cool. The, I should note that the, that first year we met, mm-hmm. Halloween. Can you tell us a little bit about oh, that? Oh, yes. I completely forgot about that. So, so good. It, it, it's so... I can't even, like, believe that I questioned in my mind my if favorite movie is. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had dressed as King Chaffee Jopper as Halloween during our... Who, I don't know if anyone's seen the movie before. People have, I don't, it's James Earl Jones' character, yes, right? Yes, And describe what he's wearing, because it's not... It's pretty... <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> he's wearing this extravagant suit and coat. And also has this, um, basically this lion skin. That's what it was. That's right. <laughs> across, <laughs> across the coat. And, uh, yes, this very stylish hat also. And it basically was, I had uh, all of that uh, as far as the uh, outfit. Yeah. It was very authentic. Yes. Movie quality. And wow. I went, I went to, uh, to a local supermarket and, and bought rose petals. Did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> because as he used to walk on the uh, rose petals. That's right. Yes, as the king had his rose bearers, as he called them, who would, uh, you know, um, flower the floor, literally, <laughs> yeah. for him as, as he, he walked. Walk through. <laughs> uh, and that was Dave's entry to Harvard University. <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, all right, well, I guess, is there anything else that you might want to make mention of? Anything that um, anyone listening might be able to uh, keep an eye out for? You mentioned how to get in touch on social media. Yes. Um, what else? And there's also a donation page online. Yes. Uh, to, so yeah. we're currently having our um, uh, a fundraiser for our fourth anniversary. So mm-hmm. uh, if you support the work that we do, uh, please uh, donate. And, uh, you know, we could find the 
the donation uh, page on uh, chuffed.org, C-H-U-F-F-E-D.org, uh, and just um, search for Basketball to Flip the Youth, um, which is our, um, is our uh, name in English. And we're also a registered 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. There you have it. There you have it. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. We're really excited. Uh, Alex and I will be at the event tomorrow. Yes. Can't Uh, wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm sure the kids will have a blast. You're doing things the right way, so I hope you keep doing it. Well, thank you, uh, both Jim and Alex, and thank you to the Good Athlete Project for your support uh, since uh, last year and the donation of of shoes. for the kids, uh, which they will receive tomorrow, um, and we're, we're really you. grateful for, for your support. Yeah. So thank no, you. I, I hope they, I hope you guys get a lot out of it. We're happy to support in any small way we can, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks. All right. Today's episode was brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. You can find them at Hand Armor Chalk or at Team Hand Armor on Twitter and Instagram. For more on the Good Athlete Project, go to GoodAthleteProject.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Number Four Kindness. That's Coach for Kindness. And keep an eye out for our next episode.